Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This platform is designed to share coaches, leaders, and influencers' journeys and experiences. Hope you're inspired by them so that you can serve others better and inspire them as well. In recognition of Championship Week this week, I'm bringing on Dan Horowitz, who is an author of a book called Help Them Up, 14 Principles to Educate, Energize, and Empower Your Team to Build a Championship Basketball Culture. I've read the book myself and I highly recommend it. We talked to him today about how to care about people first, how to have confidence in others, and he shares with us four pillars of championship cultures. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Really excited to have a great conversation with you today. Likewise. Yeah, man. I mean, we connected some time back and, you know, just kind of intrigued by who you who you are, who you were. And, uh, you know, seeing as now that you've had your experience at the college level as far as coaching, as a player, and now as an author, uh, you know, Writing a book isn't, I don't imagine it's the easiest thing. And I have my own desire and kind of goal of writing a book one day. And so I thought, you know, let me, let me bring him in. Let's hear from him, especially when we're talking about culture, team culture. We're talking about how to be leaders and just working within that space. So, uh, man, just really excited to dive into this. Yeah, likewise, uh, the guests you've had on are, you know, people that I've learned a lot from and just hopefully can add some value to the listeners uh, during our conversation. I'm positive we will, Dan. Now I'm going to start off like I do every episode in that. How were you introduced to the game of basketball? Yeah, so my mom and dad introduced my twin brother, Ben, and I um, at a very young age. I would say five or six, I signed us up for um, the local YMCA. And uh, we play at recess every single day with all of our <laughs> friends. And uh, that was just kind of the thing to do. Um, you know, you got your 30 minutes of being able to run outside and, and play sports with your friends. And a lot of the time we just chose to play basketball. And then uh, my older brother is five years older. So we play a lot with him and his friends. And it's just a fun way for all of us to do something productive and, and have a good time doing it. So I would say that was kind of my introduction to basketball. Yeah, it's good to have that. You know, I, I wouldn't know what it is to have a twin. Thank God for myself, at least. My parents would probably be like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Two of them, you know, and so I imagine that's a lot of fun, though. It, it, on that, on the other side of that coin is, uh, you know, having to grow up with brothers, a twin brother, uh, you know, being able to sh- share those memories and that kind of, uh, you know, experience with basketball, the game. I mean, I always tie in ex- people's experiences to people, you know, and I think that's what makes it so much fun and makes it so much of a uh, a family loving concept all the way around, whether it's team, whether it's organizationally. Uh, however you want to slice it, it all comes down to family and reality, to me at least. Now, I want to ask you your experience as a player because, uh, you know, sometimes we see the world through a different lens. What lens did you see your playing experience through? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, I was always the shortest player on the team or, or close to it. So uh, a good family friend of mine, um, who was uh, one of my best friend's dad, uh, his name's uh, Coach Gamo. He told me at a young age, he said, there are two things you can't coach, height and heart. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that meant so much to me as a, a small, uh, scrappy player in every sport that I played. 
um, just because you can't control how tall you are. Right. And um, it really shifted my focus into controlling what I could control, which was trying to outwork everyone. Yeah. And uh, I was definitely committed to um, being the best I could be. And for me, I was always a defensive player. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I added value. And then I loved it. Um, you know, in, uh, in the, the rec league, I, I used to force kids to the left hand, and I have to give my older brother a shout out for teaching me how to do that. Um, but uh, they, we weren't allowed to guard until they reached half court. Yeah. So I would just sit there, and the second they'd cross half court, I'd be able to get a few steals and score. Um, and obviously, I had some success playing defense at a young age. And then as I got older and progressed into college, when players are bigger, faster, and stronger, uh, my role turned into face guarding the other team's best guard. Yes. And sometimes I just, just met playing tag. You know, just chasing them around, don't even worry about where the ball is. And, uh, and you know, and I loved it. I, I definitely didn't uh, play a ton in college, but when I went in there, you know, I, I knew that's where my value was, was in trying to be a good leader and teammate, but also just trying to stop the other team's uh, best guard. So um, I think that quote at a young age uh, meant a lot to me and something that I pass on to the kids that I work with now. That's great. Now, you, you talk about that working with kids, you know, uh, I think every former player at any level can add value to a current player or a player that's coming up uh, to their experience as well, kind of giving them their experience and their, what they did to kind of get through that process. Because uh, everybody thinks, well, I don't say everybody, but a lot of young people at the high school level, they have ambitions and goals to, to get to the next level. But they're not sure what level once they get to that level because uh, there is levels. And so it's great that you would be able to help young people. However, you know, whether it's training, a player development, however that looks, but you're able to give them your experience. And that's great. It's very invaluable. So now, Dan, I want to ask you about your experience as a coach and your journey. You know, what was that like for you kind of going through that process of going from player, that experience to then coaching and having kind of a say so with what happens with the with the team. Yeah, I think as a, as a player, I played for three transformational coaches, and I know on uh, your last podcast you talked about you know transactional, where it's you know you you do this and and you know it's basically you know just like a transaction, like you pay yeah. for something and that and that's it. Um, where transformational, they have an impact on you for many years beyond you know the coaching, whether it's basketball or another sport. Um, so I think the three coaches that come to mind, I had, uh, um, coach Chad, he was my 10 to 12 year old coach. And I think the best thing about him at that age is that he just made it so much fun for all of us. Yeah. And I think having a, an environment where it's fun, but it's also very competitive, uh, just was a great balance at that age. And I think one thing he did that was so just, um, eye opening to me was we had some players with more skill level than others. And we had, uh, you know, those players that maybe didn't score a lot or score at all. Once or twice a season, they'd get a few open looks. And when they would score, the whole gym um, would erupt. <laughs> and he just yeah. created that environment where if you looked over at our bench, like we were all so genuinely happy for that kid. Nice. Um, I could, I'm visualizing it right now, the, the kid and the, the moment it happened. Um, just because we all obviously go to practice every day, we work hard together and for them to get that moment to score, uh, you know, I think has a, a lasting impact on, on that kid as well as, you know, the other players that were a part of that. Uh, so for him to kind of create that environment for us was amazing. 
And then uh, as I got into competitive basketball at the AAU level, I played for a woman coach named Coach Katie. Um, and she was coaching the, the boys' teams. And they have a big AAU organization, Connecticut North Stars, here in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. And she was the most uh, the demanding, the toughest coach that I ever played for. Uh, we call her, uh, we call it uh, Katie Shape because the first two weeks we were in touch with basketball. Um, we, would, we were just run, run, run. Uh, we'd have a medicine ball, uh, do the weave, and if you dropped it, you had to restart. And we're shooting layups with these medicine balls and doing planks and, and team wall sits where you, everybody's on, on the yeah. wall and you have to hold each other's arms Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're just building, you know, very mentally tough players. And it helped us win a lot of games because most AAU teams, you know, everybody's different, but a lot of them, they kind of just, probably just kind of roll the ball out and play. Yeah. Um, but we were, you know, we were getting ready to, to be in that the late game situations. And uh, there's two things that I really admire about her was one, her ability to instill confidence. Um, for me, like I said, defensive player, usually point guard and didn't always shoot. And I'd get the ball in a game and she'd yell, Danny, shoot! <laughs> and like, for your head coach to kind of instill that confidence yeah. in you and tell you to shoot, the self-doubt just goes away. Yeah. And that was by far my best shooting season I ever had because I knew that she believed in me and all the work that I had put in, um, you know, that she, she wanted me to take the shot because it was the best shot for the team. So, nice. um, yeah, so her ability to do that. And then she pulled me aside one time and, and um, a few of my players on my team were good high school players. And she said, we're going to start, you know, these guys are not going to start um, probably for most of the season. But when the time matters the most, uh, you'll be in at the end of the game when we need you because, um, they might not be able to handle coming off the bench as well as you can, but when the game's on the line, you know that you'll be in there. And I think that perspective is really important for coaches. Um, obviously, I'd like to consider myself a coachable kid, but um, for her to kind of tell me that, I think is an important lesson that like there are ways to try to not make everybody happy, but there are ways to motivate um, players and, and to kind of play to your, your team's strengths and personalities. Yeah. Um, so sure. those two, those two really stood out to me. And then the last one was a, a baseball coach, Coach Billing. Um, I played up until my freshman year uh, baseball, and then my senior year, I wanted to play one more time with my twin brother, and he was a very good player and the catcher on the team. And uh, I ended up making the team had a, a very small role where I was just a pinch runner. So once a game, um, you know, a three, three and a half hour baseball game, I got to sub in, uh, give my <laughs> give the player a high five yeah. and uh, try to steal some bases. So um, I think he, how detailed he was, uh, his, he was charismatic. Like everybody's enjoyed being around him. Uh, he had just such great energy. And, uh, you know, he did go to MIT. So he was very organized and detailed. Wow. Um, which is really cool for me as a, a, yeah. as a you know, an athlete just to see the preparation he put into every single practice and, and how intentional he was. And he made me feel like they, they talk about being a star in your role, however big or small it is. And, um, you know, like I said, my role, my role was so small, but it's probably the most fun I had on a team just because um, he made me feel like it was important. And, uh, and I just think those three coaches had such a big impact on me. And you can tell like how excited I get sharing about them because I want to be that same person for yeah. as many kids as I can be. Yeah, no, Coach Chad, helping y'all to understand that watching everybody else succeed is part of your success. It's a shared success. You know, mm -hmm. Coach Katie helping to remove doubt, man. That's big time. When you have a co coach who interjects something, uh, casts vision, whatever the case may be, you know, gives you the go ahead. 
yeah, you'll get some confidence and that self-doubt goes away. And then, of course, the energy, you know, that you're talking about with Coach Billing. You know, when you have a coach that's organized and shows up ready to go, man, you're ready to go. You know, <laughs> you know that, that that helps you to understand your role because the coach has kind of made pretty clear his role or her role or what their role is. And so for them to be the role player, too, in a sense, because uh, everybody has one. So, yeah, that's great. That's really good stuff, man. I like the way you, you know, kind of broke down each each of them and, and how they really influence you and impact you because – some people think it has to be some, you know, win a championship to to have an impact on somebody's life. And it doesn't necessarily take that. That does happen for sure, but not necessary. it's not necessary. You can have an impact, you know, at the CYO level or the, the, the Pop Warner level, whatever level. So that's great, man. Really, really good to hear that. Now, as far as your service, like I want to get into, you know, what you do, Dan Horowitz, leadership consulting, you know. I want to know from you, just kind of give us a breakdown of really all what, what, what services you provide within that. Yeah, so the the mission behind it is just to try to have a, a positive impact on as many people that I can. And I, I think it's the, the goal of it as well is just to enhance uh, and improve leadership, culture, and teamwork. So obviously there's so many words that go into it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just love the team dynamic. I think everybody can add value and um, it's just really important for teams to buy into the, the vision. And I think it needs to be a collective vision, not somebody telling them this is what we're going to do, but everybody kind of getting to share their opinion and their voice and then just uh, deciding what's best for the, the group. Um, so my consulting, uh, working with sports teams and then just companies as well uh, for the past uh few weeks I've been reaching out to some schools, high school and college, and I had just finished uh, two Zoom calls uh, discussing the principles in my book, um, which I know we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, I had a really good talk with a, a high school boys varsity coach in Wisconsin, and uh, we spoke with the team. He picked three principles he wanted me to emphasize, and I watched game film and then took some screenshots of some on-court culture things that I noticed and talked with his team, and then today I got a phone call. Uh, they played last night, and he's told me uh, that he put on his huddle account a highlight video of um, all the culture things we talked about, nice. and uh, and it was that just made me my made my day um, that he was wanted to include me and, and share with me that there was a lot of positives, um, and then I did another Zoom call with a, a team in Michigan, a Division Two women's uh, team, and they have a great culture already. So um, I was a little nervous going on that call, and I told them that I was like, "You guys are awesome." Uh, I noticed a few things I think you can do more consistently and uh, that, that hopefully adds value. And uh, the, the feedback from them was really good as well. So I'm um, just working with teams that feel that culture is important and, and know that it's kind of a byproduct of the scoreboard. And I'm not trying to um, take away from winning, but I feel like if you take care of your people first, I know you're so big on, you know, this is a lifestyle and you're not working, you know, a day in your life when you get to, be around kids and help them. Like uh, that's yeah. a great mentality to have. So um, I think just going about it like that has been a, a great approach for me and just excited to see the, see the impact I have. And then, um, uh, you know, it's twofold where right? these, these kids are having a big impact on me as well. And I'm becoming a better coach and leader. Yeah, no, for sure. When anytime we're working with people, there is a give and take. And sometimes you do more giving than taking. 
but it's only because what you're taking is so profound sometimes it it goes so deep and it, and it hits your heartstrings sometimes it doesn't come in till later down the line but what you take out of helping people is definitely something that i think you feel at the end of the day they did more for me than i did for them when you talk mm-hmm. about sports and business and how that translates it translates into life completely that's why I think athletics overall is the greatest teacher of, of life, life lessons for young people, for us as adults. There's nobody excluded in that. Everybody can learn. And, yeah. uh, and I think that, you know, because as coaches, right, we're always talking about this translates from this level to this level. This translates from that level to that level. But what translates within sports and, and, and business, it translates into life because we're all going to face things and we're all going to need to work with each other and we're all going to need to collaborate and work together. So yeah, I see it. I see it, man. It's a it's a great business model. It's a business model that I think is very will be very fruitful down the line, especially given everything that we're experiencing right now in society. I think mm-hmm. one of the tougher things is going to get everybody to buy in, like you said, a collective buy in, a shared vision. So good stuff, man. And, and here again, that whole idea of of, of being able to help people uh, will pay itself back. You know what I mean? In a sense, so. I, w- I want to ask you, kind of, how, how did you get here to this place in life? Because s- some people, they move from different spaces, they pivot, right? How did you pivot into to this in your basketball journey? Uh, I think just trying to have that, that bigger impact on, on so many people um, or on more people. It's been very humbling and uh, just to have such great people in my life and I think leadership has always been so important to me. And like you said, it's, it's in sports, but it's in, it's in business and it's in our everyday lives. Um, just connecting with others and, and having each other's back, um, I think is so important. And so for me to kind of move, you know, get out of college coaching and, and start to focus on this leadership, leadership consulting is uh, something that excites me and I, I have a true passion for and, I love listening to podcasts and reading books and calling coaches to learn and just try to provide the best information I can to others um, because people have paid it forward to me. So I think that's kind of how I've gotten into this new role. Yeah. No, it's uh, this begets that, that begets this, and so on and so forth. It's the domino effect. It's how you choose to channel those life lessons and those uh, leadership lessons that you've learned, and that's great. Because it seems like you're, like you're talking about having a bigger influence, having a bigger impact, and being able to help more people as a whole. Uh, definitely something to look forward to now. What's something when we talk about leadership, when we talk about building team culture, all that, because that's very important. I think everybody listening in will always have to be aware, keep the pulse of their team, all that, of what's going on. Now, what are some of the commonly overlooked components of team building? Because sometimes we forget we, we hear things and we're like, yeah, yeah, I know that, but do we do it? What are some of the most commonly overlooked things? Yeah, well, I, that's a great question. For me, I, I try to live by the quote, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And it's just letting people know that you truly care about them as a person first uh, and, and an athlete second, I think can go a long way. And uh, I was... Uh, on a, a podcast with Mike Nelson, um, who works for Gonzaga University Athletics, and he puts uh, it very well where he talks about intentional leadership. And they spend 
uh, with their women's team, I think about five or 10 minutes, three days a week discussing a specific word. So for that week, it could be gratitude. Um, and so I just think coaches understanding that you should be intentional uh, with your leadership. It's just like putting an inbound play in or putting in a, a two, three zone, like just being intentional with your, with your leadership is so important and often overlooked. And I think it's something that is kind of a buzzword culture or something that you talk about in the beginning. And then other things become more important throughout the season when I would argue that it is the most important thing and that's your foundation. So um, I think four things need to play into being a, play into a championship culture. And one is uh, every player needs to feel safe. So they need to be able to embrace mistakes and know that failure is part of the process. I think that's uh, something that coaches need to make sure that they're doing and, and constantly evaluate. The next one is making every player feel valued. I think some players might not get a lot of playing time, if none at all, but they're there every day in practice. They're there on the bus, um, and they can have a positive or, or negative impact on their teammates. Yeah. So it's important to let them know that you know they do they do add value. It might not be in the way that they want at that moment, maybe scoring all the points or you know, being in the game all the time, but they do matter and, you know, they can help the team improve in some way. Um, the third one is just everyone has a voice. I think it's tough when, you know, a, a head coach is the only voice that the team hears or, or just a few of the leaders. Like, everybody should feel comfortable to speak up. And that's not always how it is, as I'm sure you know. And uh, if a coach can figure a way out to, to make every player feel like they have a voice and speak up when they can uh, add value to the team. That's really important. Um, and then the last one is just, you know, time. Uh, I was just say every player feeling joy while they're playing basketball, like every day is so precious. Um, and joy to me is about the journey and not the destination. And, you know, you get to go to battle with your brothers or your sisters and, and this is such a special time, uh, you know, for the coach and for the players. Like, there's every season that team is most likely is going to be made up of only those players for that one year. Um, and the new players, you know, will graduate and new players will make the team. But, like, you get to play a, a sport you're physically able to or you're a part of the team in some way. And I just think it's so import important for to approach basketball with a gratitude mindset that, like, this is a privilege, not a right, that we get to step on the court with our family and uh, and go play a game and, and try to compete to the best of our ability. No, that's great, man. You know, we, it all it all stems from a player first mentality because without the players, you have nobody to coach. <laughs> that's yeah. quite, quite honestly, so you know, providing a safe space is what you're talking about. When people feel valued, and they feel like their voice matters. You know, like you said, feeling joy. And you know what joy does? What I found, Dan, is that joy brings hope, uh, mm. which, which a lot of people do not have. You can't have hope without joy. You just can't. You can't say, I, I, I hope, I hope. You, you can't hope anything till you feel that sense of joy and happiness. And so, yeah, I think those are great kind of pillars, man, because that's, uh, I work with people so much and I love people so much that uh, I, I, you talk about being intentional. I'm intentional about phone calls. Like we had a phone call today and I was very intentional about that. Uh, yeah. you know, I just, I think it's, you don't want to waste any time with people because you never know what can happen. You mm -hmm. never know how much time you actually have with them. You, and coaches listening, you never know how long you'll be at that program. You never know how long your, your players will be in that program before you wake up and 
you get a little uh, icon saying that somebody jumped in the portal on your computer and then you're like, whoa, hey, well, hold up. I thought I was making some inroads. And so, yeah, to value that time together and, and those four principles will get you there. I believe they will. And like you said, a, a gratitude mindset. That's fantastic yeah. stuff. I'm curious for you, like how would, you know, kind of putting you on the spot, but I know you're so well versed in talking about it, but how would, how do you define success as a, you know, coaching a basketball team? Like, how do you, how do you define success? I take it in stages, right? So, uh, success, first of all, starts off with building relationships. And when I can build a relationship with my team, with players, um, well, let me, let me kind of backtrack, build relationships with my staff, make sure that that's kind of settled beforehand uh have that you know us on the same here again shared vision collective vision collaboration mindset uh and then with the relationship with the players because if i don't have the relationship with them i can't ask for anything i can't demand from them like you said mm-hmm. they want to know how much you care before they care about what you actually know and so then we go from that point to actually you know the learning stage they will absorb more information by the fact that you care, by the fact that you've built a relationship. They'll absorb more of what you say because what you say matters. Then you go to game time, and if you've prepared and you have talent, and maybe you don't, but you prepared well enough and you can execute, then you'll see some success. But that's not, it's not results, man. Like, I want results, but my success is going to come from that interpersonal relationship. And if that game, that night, that year, we did the best that we could do, do, that's success in my book. Yeah. If we can all look at each other in the locker room and say, I, I, th- that guy's worth a darn, you know? And they say, yeah, coach, thanks for, for whatever. Thanks for being there. You know, just being there sometimes. And that that's success to me because success is so subjective. And, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm just not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm the type of person, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. And, and I take that to the to the nth and to a, to a degree that, I'm very secure in who I am and my identity. And that's what I want for players. And that's what I want for the staff. And that's what I want for all, you know, uh, stakeholders involved. So that's how I view success, man. It's just that we can all look at each other, respect each other, have a great experience. We win, we win. We lose, we lose. Nobody likes to lose, but man, it's it's easier to lose with your brothers and and your friends than it is to lose with people you don't like. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, I just that's how I see it so yeah <laughs> I love it man and the thing about it is that you know I kind of get the chills hearing you talk about it because having listened to your podcast so many times like you're so genuine and yeah. you're not just saying these words to say them like you truly live them every single day yeah um, and I think for coaches you know we all need to take a, a step back and really evaluate our own um, you know leadership style and are we living the words that we're conveying to our yeah. kids um, and you know, so just it's great to hear you talk about um, you know success in, in your own way. Yeah, no, uh, just talking about it, I want to get some shots up now. I'm like, I motivate myself sometimes, but <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, in any of it, Dad. Uh, I kind of want to, you know, as a coach, as a player, the game. You know, you, you've you've experienced both. How has both of those shaped your perspective on the game? Because you know, you, you see things differently, especially as you mature as, into adulthood, going from a player to a coach. But and then again, again, writing this book, how has all this changed your perspective of the game? That's a, a great question. I think 
the, the more I've been around the game of basketball, um, the more I kind of gravitated towards like-minded people, whether it was players, you know, going through camps or, or coaches. I think just, and I kind of alluded to it earlier talking about uh, Coach Katie, but just the confidence um, that having having confidence in yourself, but also having confidence in others and, and having them have confidence in you. Like, that's such a, a powerful thing. Um, you know, and I think positive energy as well. Like, yeah. there's a lot of negative things that you and I could to talk about um, going on in the world or in our own personal lives. Um, but we just choose to be positive. And I think that's contagious. I know I love, I'm a big positive vibes only guy and, uh, (laughs) not saying I don't have my bad days. And, um, you know, like I've coached in college. I know the grind and, um, you know, I used to last year at Mount St. Mary when I was recruiting, I could go to New York city and leave at three, watch a game at six, um, and still make it back for our nine to 11 PM practice and then do the laundry after that. And then have to wake up and do the scouting, wake up and do the scouting report the next day. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot. So, um, I think when people hear me, maybe talk about being positive, it might sound easy, but I know I'm, I went through the grind too and, and still doing with my business. Um, but it's just like, you're more enjoyable to be around. You have more energy mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And, uh, I just think that I, I love being around people that are going to challenge you, but also support you. And so, um, my basketball journey has, has been interesting. I, uh, at Newberry where I played, um, the school actually shut down because of financial reasons, um, wow. which is very unfortunate. But we we didn't we didn't do great. We went thirteen and eighty seven in my four years, wow. and uh, I don't think anybody wants to you know lose that many games. But and I will say you know we were a, a big commuting school, and mm-hmm. so a lot of my teammates were from Boston and had part time jobs. Uh, we didn't have a basketball gym on campus. So we would uh, play outside and uh, we'd get uh, two vans and that's how we'd get to practice. So um, there's a lot of adversity that we kind of had to go through and not making excuses, but that kind of paints a better picture of maybe the record that we had. Mm-hmm. But those, those guys that graduated with were so mentally tough and resilient. And uh, I was just honored to, to be with them. And on, on the other side of it, when we won a game, um, you know, I felt like we won the championship. <laughs> so we were, yeah. you know, running all over the court and, and pumped up. And, um, so I think there's, there's that part of it as well. Um, so yeah, I just, I just really enjoy, um, being around people that are just passionate and, and positive people. Yeah. You, we talk about networking all the time, especially in the coaching profession that it's, uh, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And when you surround yourself with good people, they get to know you and they get to see who you really are on a daily basis. And all of a sudden, the goal, the mission, you know, becomes more about for each other, not yourself, where, you know, at the onset, people may have had their own agenda. Some people may have been looking internally through every situation. And then after a while, they start considering each other, uh, you know, as far as when they make decisions concerning the team. You know, you talk about your, your experience as far as having that those losing seasons. I remember I remember there was a time in my coaching career where we didn't have a gym. We were practicing outside. It doesn't snow here in San Antonio, but it gets cold in, in, during <laughs> basketball season. It gets kind of rainy. Uh, I had kids out there. We were practicing. They were still practicing. They were still champs about it. And then we go out and lose a game. And, you know, we work so hard. 
<laughs> we, we endured so much, but those kids, they're grown men now, you know, some of them in their thirties and, you know, I look back at that time and I'm just like, wow, we'll never forget that. We'll never forget those moments. We wouldn't have remembered if we won a game and we sure as heck didn't remember with the games we lost either. There was too many. And so, you know what I mean? But the, what, what we le- I learned, as far as for me, I can only speak for me. I learned a lot from that losing uh, experience. I learned that I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> I learned that yeah. I've got to determine in my heart to do all I can to prepare each player, not the team, each player to do the best they can and then the team. And so kind of that, kind of working that way. So, yeah, a great story, man, because I... I I, I can feel that whole that whole vibe, if you will, of kind of grinding it out and still having no success. Like I, I, I completely feel that. Now, uh, this question, I hope nobody takes offense to it, but you know, I'm not a shock jock guy, but it, it's it's a question that bears asking because we always want to be lifelong learners, right? Not know it alls, but learn it alls, like Kevin Eastman yeah. says. Uh, but can you teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> uh, it depends on the dog. <laughs> um, well, if I have a, we have a Chawini, um, which is a Chihuahua dog. Yeah, yeah. Her name is her name is Storm, and uh, I'm trying to teach her to not stare at me when I eat a yogurt and lick her lips. But uh, <laughs> but she uh, she never fails to, to show up right on time, and I uh, I share the lid with her. At, you know when I'm done eating, so. Um, but but on a serious note, I think like you just said, like uh, being a learn it all, that's not a a phrase I've heard, but I absolutely love that. I think a growth mindset is so important and, you know, 15 brains is better than one. And I think if people go approach certain things with the mindset that we're trying to find the best way, not the way that things have always been done, Mm -hmm. that will lead to the collective success uh, wow. might not be what that one person wants, uh, you know, what they feel is best, but it's most likely best for the team. And, you know, as a head coach, you have to make those tough decisions and do what's best for the team. Um, but I think if you approach things with a growth mindset, amazing things can happen. So I'm also curious for you as how you would answer that question. Yeah, you can, you can uh, hear again, kind of depends on the dog. But I think that if you're in the coaching profession, there's already something inside of you. There is a a trait, a uh, valuable uh, characteristic about who you are that is always going to be willing to learn at the end of the day at your core. And so when you see how what's going on is impacting negatively other people, you can learn a new trick because now you're saying to yourself, I'm not, I'm not relevant. My ways are not relevant. And like you said, it's always been done this way. Mindset, you know, we, you can, you can make a hybrid of the way it is now and the way it was done. Then there's always that there's always a compromise. And so I think you can, it just comes down to somebody being able to really kind of, uh, work with that coach and say, Hey, look, you've had a lot of success you're good at what you do, affirm them first. And then after the affirmation, bring about a, uh, be an agent of change and, and make, you know, different recommendations. Uh, and if you're the head coach and you have an old dog on your staff, make strong recommendations. 
let let them know that uh, whatever they're doing that may be detrimental, maybe, maybe not detrimental to the to the degree that kids want to quit, but maybe so. It's because it's a new world, and we and these kids nowadays are way different. After this pandemic, kids are going to get real different coming into programs. So you have to be ready to adapt and change. And I think a lot of coaches, most coaches will do that. Uh, there's some that won't. And those are the ones that usually kind of uh, find their way out the door anyway. So, yeah, I think you can. I really do. That's just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not an old dog, but <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a young pup like yourself. And, and I'm always learning and I'm always looking to learn. So even from young pups. So that, that's always, yeah. it's, it's always a good thing, man. So I want to ask you here again about relationships because we talk about that a lot on the, on the, on the podcast. And I think it's just so important, you know, that we build them and that we value them. So how important are relationships to you? Yeah. Relationships are, are number one to me. I think connecting with others and caring about them, investing in them, uh, checking in with them is just so important. And people truly care when you, when you think about them and go out of your way to, to just check in and see, and see what's going on in their life. Um, we get really self-absorbed sometimes, and that's okay, because sometimes you're on your mission, on your purpose, and trying to put your head down and get done what you need to get done. Um, but it's also important to, you know, to look, you know, take a second, take a step back, and think about all the people that have helped you or um, you know, your family or friends and, and just reach out in some way. And, you know, it's so easy to send a text or a phone call, uh, FaceTime. There's just so many ways to communicate. And I think it's really important to do that. Um, one thing I've tried to do that I, I heard somebody share was instead of just posting on social media or a text, like if you can, you know, it's not always a perfect situation, but if you can call somebody that's close to you on their birthday, yeah. I think that you know, two to five minute phone call just bringing a lot of energy, like happy birthday, Mike, like mm -hmm. appreciate you. You know, I'm grateful to have you in my life and I don't want to take your time, but I'm just honored to have cross paths, paths with you. I think is, uh, you know, just a very nice thing to do. Um, so, you know, that's a great way. I think just to let somebody know that you're thinking about them on their special day. And then, uh, for me, uh, a teammate I had named DeRay, he lives in Baltimore, but in terms of relationship, like, he and I, uh, we pretty much did everything together. We would work out together. We do our homework together. We'd go to the, you know, eat in the dining hall and I uh, got the same jobs on campus as well. So, um, when he would take a charge in a game, I felt like I took a charge and I'd be standing up if I was on the bench or if I was in the game, I'd sprint over and, and pick him up. Um, and, uh, you know, that's built, you know, day to day and week by week and year by year. And, uh, so we won't, we graduated four years ago and we still talk every every week um at least nice. and make each other laugh and um you know i know for you in, in regards to relationships we talked about in uh one of the podcasts just you know if you want to know about somebody ask the, the custodian mm -hmm. um how they treat them yeah. and uh i just think that's like that's so powerful like it doesn't matter what your title is everybody should be treated with, res with respect and just respect you know and, and equally um nobody's better than than someone else and i love the quote uh, never above you never below you but always beside you wow and uh, i just think that's the way that people should approach uh approach others because everybody deserves to be treated right yeah no for sure here again valuing human life first of all yeah. uh valuing the set of eyes that are in front of you looking at you uh either needing something from you uh waiting to hear from you or just kind of 
How are you going to address them? The simple things like that, you know, just just being. I remember uh, Coach Weizard, who coaches down here in Texas. She's or Louisiana. She's from San Antonio, but she she had this 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 phrase: "Good human code." To have good human code, man. That, that's that made a lot of sense to me. I knew what she meant. I get what she yeah. means. And so, yeah, to have good human code and just be a darn good person at the end of the day, everything should work out. I believe that, you know. So now about your book, it's called Help Them Up, 14 Principles to Educate, Energize, and Empower Your Team to Build a Championship Basketball Culture. That's a big, that's a big, big thing there. And I think because a lot of us, <sighs> we're so competitive. We want to win championships. We're so competitive we want to win the day, first of all. We're so we're so driven by that whole realm of competition. Uh, can you share with us maybe some key principles in your book that will benefit our listeners? Yeah, of course. Uh, the book is called Help Them Up. And in basketball, if a player falls over, a lot of times you're, you will hear uh, a player or coach yelling, help them up or help yeah. them up, help her up. And... Well, like what message does that send, you know, when you're four players like Villanova in the, in the semifinal a few years ago, all four players sprinted over and helped <laughs> up their teammate. And that was just like amazing. Like, and that's the best team in the country doing it. Yeah. Um, I just think that um, is kind of, you know, where the, the title comes from. My twin brother that I, I talked about in the beginning, he uh, is the absolute best teammate that I've ever played with. And I know it's biased, but yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> You know, he was always the first person to help a teammate up, and they, he could be the farthest person away, and he would find a way to sprint down and, and help them up. And even if he didn't get one of their hands, he'd pat them on the back and just make sure that they were good. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that's where the title comes from. Nice. And the the book in general. So, eight. It's been eight years of research uh, and to get it done. And I uh, obviously lost a lot of games in college and that inspired me and fueled me to learn what the best teams do. And so the book is, uh, you know, my research and it's broken down into 14 principles. And I learned those principles while being in Boston. Uh, the, the coaches in that area were super welcoming to me. And I got to go into the gym at Boston university, Boston college, Northeastern, um, Harvard and Tufts and just, go to a practice workout, uh, summer camp, whatever it may be. And I just learned so much from them. And so that's kind of like my love of learning about teams came from, and then just going to some USA basketball clinics and, and other, um, you know, other, any basketball event that I could go to and learn from. So I took all that that I learned and, uh, a few of the ones I think coaches listening could, uh, implement right away is the first one is warm up and stretching. Uh, the UConn woman uh, basketball team is one of the best in the country consistently. And uh, that's the, the main theme about the book is uh, if you want consistent, sustained success, I believe these principles will help um, help with that. So yeah. uh, for the stretching, they were just um, like so, so in sync, so synchronized. So just um, like a, a high knees and, and having somebody echo the call and saying high knees and then all the players jog down. Uh, doing high knees, sideline to sideline or full court, whatever it may be. And just being intentional with that, like building that chemistry and getting that focus on the team, um, even during something like a warm-up, just showed that the best teams in the country, uh, you know, they, they take everything very seriously. Yeah. So um, that's one that, that's, I think, very important. And then 
Uh, another one is touches. Steve Nash was one of the you know the best teammates ever and two time MVP, and he uh, he was always giving his teammates high fives. And they did an NBA study that the teams that touch more, whether it's a fist bump, pat on the back, or high five, they they won more games. And that takes no talent at all. So yeah. like a, a fun, you know a fun thing that I mentioned in the book for because I have a coach's corner which breaks down. Uh, how coaches can can you know do a few drills to, for each uh, principal, and then there's a player's perspective where players actually handwrite their responses to some open-ended questions to ask if they're doing it. And um, with the touches, like you know, you can control that on every single play. So um, you know, basically, if you want to tell your players we're going to do 100 touches today, so having them just be intentional it might look a little funny, be a little bit corny, but making sure that they're going out of their way to give each other high fives build that habit and that's what all the, the book is about building these habits to consistently execute the principles um i love when i see a, a team sprint over and help their teammate up all four players I, I don't like it when somebody will fall over and the other team is good sportsmanship but they help them up because the other team didn't do it or they just have to help themselves up um and then huddling i think huddling after a shooting foul whether it's for or against you is like crucial uh because you could be winning the game or you could be losing and that's not a time to walk in in five different directions that's a great time to come together not just you know coming go into a huddle but put your arms around each other make eye contact and then communicate a message of positivity or what play you're going to be running or just make a joke to kind of you know make light of the mood and, and get people to ease up like there's so many things you can do in that space within those two or three seconds that um, the best teams in the country I've noticed do that. And yeah. if you watch you know, college basketball now, a lot of teams do it. Villanova puts their hands in, and I think they say a chant. Um, so for listeners, they can keep an eye out for that. Um, um, so those are like four of the, 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 the things. And like I said, it's not, it's not you know, rocket science, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying these stuff that's coming from me, but teams don't execute them consistently. Um, yeah. And I think that's the most important thing is that you know, when, especially during adversity, are you still making sure that you're huddling up or sprinting over to your teammate or is it only when things are going well? Yeah, no, there's there's got to be some consistency in how you're going to, uh, again, go through that process with each other. Uh, you know, the one thing we hate the most in life is when people are there for us only when it's to their advantage or it serves them a purpose. We want people yeah. there for us all the time. And when you kind of adhere to those principles, you know, touch is huge, you know, and I know we're social distancing or I should, I would say this, not social because we need to become more social in these times, but physical distancing, uh, you know, touch is kind of uh, seemingly off limits, but I think that's when we need to kind of do it more at a safe distance or kind of covering our mouths or however you want to do that. However you want to mitigate, right? Uh, touch is so important because it, it sends, sends like a current, like you talked about energy, it sends a current that says, I care. Are you okay? You can, you can touch someone, somebody's shoulder and say a thousand words without saying anything. And so to extend your hand to say, I'm with you, we're together, we're doing this. Uh, it's that mentality of, of us. It's just us. Uh, those type of gestures and here again, principles, the huddle, we're together, we're together. All that, all that is togetherness. Everything that you're explaining is togetherness. Yeah. There's no, there's here again, no better way to go through a season than together. And so good stuff, man. Really, really good stuff. Now, since you've written this book, 
have since have since having written this book, what have you learned about yourself? You know, now in your basketball life, like what are some of the things that you're seeing in yourself? Maybe that uh, kind of came to the surface. Uh, I think that the best part for me is the, the book was dedicated to my dad and uh, he unexpectedly passed away. And I don't share that to be sad at all, but yeah. just to celebrate him and his, and his wife. And wow. uh, he was the best, best you know, teammate and, and friend and, and dad I could have ever asked for. And wow. um, you know, some of the qualities about him, um, you know, that, he was the inspiration behind writing it. But on the fifth page of the book, I share a, a few thoughts about him and a picture of him and I. So, uh, you know, he was just one that would never judge a book by its cover and, you know, could start a conversation with anybody. Uh, maybe he would talk to them longer than they wanted to talk to him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he loved talking to people. Yeah. He, uh, he loved his kids and, and loved talking about them to, to others. And um, he just was a, a kid at heart and would drive down to my games. Even if I was, I broke my hand my sophomore year and he drove down two hours to Boston um, just to support me and sit there. And, and then he stayed over the night and drove back to work the next day. Wow. Um, you know, that's just the kind of person he was. And, um, you know, he, he had a cool handshake with my, all my friends at, at Newberry that the soccer team had an awesome handshake and he learned it. Um, I went to the bathroom and came back. And by the time it was over, he knew the whole handshake. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's wow. just that kind of guy, you know? Nice. So uh, I think I've learned, uh, the, the impact because a lot of people have reached out and have just said, you know, I love the, the section for your dad. Um, and that's what it was all about was just sharing his amazing personality with others and, and trying to live my life every day in a way that would make him proud. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of how I've, I've chosen to, to see it is just that his, his life is in legacy is still, you know, living. And, um, it just makes me proud that, that people will posit be positively impacted from reading that fifth page and then hopefully the content in the book as well. Wow. You know, how do I say this in, in here again, I'm so sorry to hear about that. And I know, you, and I know you say it in, in a way of celebrating his life. And, and I think that's probably the best and healthiest way when it comes to loss, because we all lose people in our lives. We've all lost somebody in our lives that meant the world to us. And there's no better way to kind of process that than by honoring their life and their legacy. And hopefully this book is a manifestation of that, not just for yourself as it seems to have been, but also to others, you know, they can, they'll, they'll get a feel for who he was through it in, in, in whatever shape or form. So I think it's fantastic, man. It's really deep. It's not a surface level type thing. And you are a product of who you were raised by. That's just how that's just how it is, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing yeah. in most instances, I believe. So that's great, man. I'm glad you shared that with us because that is something that I think is worth uh, noting. Now, you talked about your dad. You talked about your brother and your support system. How important is that for you uh, yourself, and and then for us as coaches? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I love my support system. Um, I don't think, you know, everybody has their own definition of success, but just being able to share that with others, I think is what makes it meaningful. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be in, in any state. I'm not going to you know pick one, but you can be in any state and maybe one that doesn't seem like, you know, a hot, you know, warm place like California, but you could be anywhere. And if you're with good people, uh, you could have a great time no matter where you are. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, as we just kind of talked about, like life is so precious. So, 
Um, just letting those people know that you're thinking about them and, and appreciate them is very important. Um, in regards to like social media, like I, I try to support my friends and keep up with everything they're doing. And, uh, you know, I try to stay away from any negativity on, on social media. Like we're, you know, obviously we're all busy lives and just trying to keep it positive as much as possible. Um, if you, if you see an article or listen to a, an awesome podcast like yours, Mike, and, and it makes you think about someone then yeah. sharing it with them, I think is a great way to support your support system. And, um, you know, and like you said, like, you know, being there for people, um, you know, even when, it, even when they're not going through a difficult time through a loss or, or, uh, some type of adversity, like just checking in, uh, you know, it doesn't take too long. And, uh, I think it, it, it does make a big difference when somebody knows that you're, you're checking on them. And even with my book, um, I called them my starting five. I had five people and, uh, I nice. shared a Google doc with them and yeah. I said, Hey, like, please feel free to highlight, do whatever you want. This is your document. And, uh, and they made a lot of great changes and that made it so much better. And I loved that. I got to include them, uh, you know, in that process and they would check in like, Hey, how's the book going? I'm like, ah, oh, like today's a tough day. I don't really want to do this. But like, <laughs> I knew I had this whole team of people that had my back and were checking in on me just to see how it was going. And, yeah. um, and then in my thank you section, Mike, like it is, it's like three pages long, uh, <laughs> with all the names in it. And I'm just like, cause I remember all like, you know, you and I have obviously had this very uh, you know genuine conversation and that means so much to me that you'd take, you know, an hour of your time to invest in me and, and be able to share what I want to share, but also so I can learn from you. Like that's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And uh, I'm really grateful to have such a, uh, such good people in my life. That's fantastic. And I think it comes to uh, us and our minds when we're down about who really is in our lives. But when we're up to, we need to figure out who's really there in our lives. Uh, yeah. Because that's really, that's the challenge, right? Because I don't know, people feel alone a lot. They feel lonely. They feel ostracized or like they're on an island for whatever reason at times. But when you hear again, it, it goes back to gratitude, like you said having that gratitude mindset that I'm grateful for all those who are in my life. I'm not grateful for, uh, well, maybe I'm grateful sometimes for the material things I have, but I need to be consistently and I don't know, perpetually thankful and grateful for those people who are in my life. And so, you know, it kind of boils down to that through the good and through the bad. Um, yeah. So that's great, man. I, it's, it's, it's really the vibe I'm getting in on and I, really enjoying it you know here again a support system isn't something that is easily kind of just forgotten about because we're so self-absorbed it is something to be recognized and and honored quite honestly yeah. at the end of the day now i want to ask you I, I always end with the legacy question right and i want to ask you about the legacy of this book in, in a sense like what kind of impact would you want this book to have now and down the road yeah, I think legacy is such a, a powerful word and something that everybody should keep at the forefront of their mind because, as you just mentioned, like material things, like, you know, how important is it that you had this, you know, really fancy shoes or clothes or car, you know, that you, your record, you know, for coaching your whatever team it may be, like, that stuff's not important. Um, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, but it's also not. And I think you and I have talked about it a lot throughout our conversation, just people. Um, and so I just hope that this book reaches, you know, the people that need to read it. Um, 
And, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, to try to get it out there. So, um, it could positively impact others. But if I had to kind of boil it down, I would just, I hope the book allows everyone to know that they, that they can add value, um, no matter what role they're playing on their sports team. Um, but in the bigger context, just in life, you know, you might not be, uh, you know, the CEO of a company, but you maybe you're a entry level position, but you can still have a very big impact where you are. Um, and, and a big impact on the people around you just by how, how your attitude is, um, and what you do with your actions every day. So, um, I just hope that people feel inspired. Um, they feel empowered, uh, rejuvenated, hopefully, because, you know, the best teams are doing these things and, you know, positive talk is, uh, you know, one of the chapters, like that doesn't need to be basketball. Like you and I, Mike, like, you know, we've talked each other up and enjoy, you know, instilling confidence and positive energy. Like you can do that every single day and some days will be better than others, but it's a choice. It comes down to being a choice. And, um, I just hope that it really, uh, educates people that know this stuff or don't know it or, it, uh, you know, enhances and, and like I said, empowers people that do know this, that to maybe just be a little bit more intentional with the way that they approach their everyday life. Dan, thank you so much. We're going to, I'm going to bring you back later on somewhere down the line. And I'm going to ask you that legacy question for yourself. So just be ready for that. Okay. You, All right. It's not going to, we're not going to make it happen just quite that soon. So you have some time to think about that, but here again, y'all listening, the book's called help them up. 14 Principles to Educate, Energize, and Empower Your Team to Build a Championship Basketball Culture. Go out and get it. It's on Amazon. Uh, please support this. Uh, I, I believe Dan has kind of presented himself, and, and, and I think it's, it warrants you. We, we love books as coaches. I, I think we do. I do. Uh, I, have, I have an extensive library. Um, I wish it was all in my head, but... You know, it's there. And uh, and I think this is here again, another piece to the library that you need to add. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on, sharing with us and giving us your perspective. Yeah, Mike, this has been amazing. And, um, you know, I like you said, you want to go get shots up. Like, I, I feel inspired <laughs> after talking to you and, you know, as I always do, listening to your podcast. So thank you for, for having this platform and you know, for being a great coach, a uh, great leader, and a great family man as well to your kids. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you all so very much for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I love what I'm doing, and I love the fact that you're listening. So you follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47 Leave feedback via uh, iTunes and, and Rated and all that good stuff so we can look nice and pretty on there. And, uh, you know, just leave feedback. I want to hear from you all because I appreciate you taking the time and making the time to, to listen in. So here again, thank you so very much.